Hello and welcome to What Do You Fear? Today's episode is going to just be on the lore of World War Z, which is hands down my favorite book of all time. Um, I've read the book. I've listened to the book. Listening to the book is by far the more superior way at this point to listen to it just because of the cast that is in it. It is absolutely incredible. It's got to be the best audiobook I've ever listened to. I know I'm fanboying out about this freaking story, but I just absolutely love World War Z. And I can think of nothing I want to do more than to share the lore of this story with you. It'll be the broad strokes of the entire thing. We're not going to go into super detail on specific people or exactly how each person's story went. We're just going to see how the world kind of worked its way from prior to the Great Panic all the way through till uh, Victory in China Day. So without further ado, let's just get right to the very beginning of the story or the very beginning of the zombie outbreak where in the not so distant future, a child from rural China known only as Patient X contracts a virus that terrifies the local village. The child kills a few of the villagers, which leaves the town in absolute panic. The virus makes its way out of that rural village and starts working its way across China. All information about the virus is covered up by the Chinese government, resulting in the virus continuing to spread. The virus is able to work its way into South America because of the black market organ trade. It immediately starts to eat its way through the population. This is when the world starts to hear about the new virus. The world just sees it as a new strain of rabies, though. This is completely ignored by the Americans to stop mass panic and is during an election cycle, further causing them to downplay the problem. The only thing that the world has going for it is the fact that these zombies were your traditional zombies. They're slow, and the only real advantage they have against a person is either their shock value or their ability to travel together in large hordes to overwhelm people. The only real way to take these zombies down is to destroy the brain, though. This makes them your classic run-of-the-mill Romero-style zombies. At a certain point, the world begins to take this threat seriously when it continues to spread. Breckenridge Scott, a wealthy businessman that made most of his money riding public health scares, puts a vaccine on the market called Phalanx. The only issue with Phalanx is that it was only capable of curing rabies and not the zombie virus, making people feel at ease for no reason. This allows the U.S. to start using Alpha Teams, which were special forces units that were sent out to handle the undead threat without causing too much of a disturbance to the local population, so they continue living in La La Land. The issue with this is the general population doesn't take this threat seriously, which results in everyone being unprepared for the danger they face. They're able to live in this little fantasy land until the following spring. This is when it comes to light that Phalanx wasn't actually a vaccine to the zombie virus at all and had no effect on keeping people safe. The creator of Phalanx, knowing this was time to get out of Dodge, heads to the Arctic to hide out, which is actually where the narrator of the story ends up finding him. Now this is the start of the Great Panic. Society basically crumbles at this point where everyone is only looking out for themselves. You not only have to worry about zombies anymore, you have to worry about your friends, family, and neighbors all around you. Everybody's freaking out. Due to the Great Panic, many people lost their lives due to starvation and just the overall collapse of society. 
during this time, Israel is able to seal their borders and execute a successful quarantine. The Warmer Night Report is created prior to this action, telling other nations to do the same thing. Most, if not all, nations do not take this report seriously, and I believe in America, that report is found in a drawer of some random secretary decades down the road. While this is happening, refugees around the world flee from the hordes of undead in an attempt to find anywhere safe to ride out the panic. Iran and Pakistan have a nuclear exchange and wipe each other out. Within a few months, New York City is completely lost, leading to the U.S. military attempting a last stand of sorts. The Battle of Yonkers is one of the biggest blunders executed by the U.S. government. This battle was supposed to increase the morale of the American people by showing that all of our technological marvels could easily wipe out the zombies. Steel rain rained down on the zombies, and the military hit the zombies with every tank, mortar, and gadget they had. They were basically walking through a meat grinder. The millions of zombies overwhelmed the military, though, and the military is forced to retreat west across the Rockies. Anyone east of the Rockies is basically left to defend themselves. During this time, in South America, the Red Ecker Plan is implemented. This plan involves the following. The plan involves designated certain areas known as safe zones, where a carefully chosen group of people will be protected from the zombie threat. These safe zones are typically geographically isolated and fortified to withstand zombie attacks. There's then a sacrificing population. The rest of the population outside of the safe zone is essentially sacrificed as a diversion. The plan aims to draw the attention of the zombies away from the safe zones by creating large, densely populated areas where people are intentionally left vulnerable to the undead. Then you have the military defenses. The military plays a crucial role in the implementing the Redecker plan. Armed forces are strategically positioned to protect the safe zones and enforce the sacrifice zones. Military personnel are tasked with maintaining order and ensuring the survival of the selected groups within the safe zones. And this is all for the survival of humanity. The underlying philosophy of the Red Ecker Plan is to prioritize the survival of a chosen few over the preservation of the entire population. It reflects a cold and pragmatic approach to dealing with the zombie apocalypse emphasizing the need for sacrifice to ensure the future of humanity. The worst part is many other countries end up using this plan as well, to great effect. Sometime later, there is an international meeting of world leaders in Honolulu, where the American president appeals to the other world leaders that he wants to go on the offensive against the undead. It takes some convincing, but many world leaders agree that this is the right thing to do. He states that they are fighting for the very essence of humanity. People could just wait and let the undead threat either die out or, or, or they could just hide, but they just need to reclaim their top of the food chain status because they have received a giant hit to their ego and just their overall morale. The way that the Americans plan on doing this is basically by setting up a hands across America. They have two massive lines of soldiers that start at the most northeastern and southeastern parts of the United States, and they just walk across America until all the undead have been eliminated. Different tactics had to be created as well, getting rid of the conventional way of fighting and evolving into a more deliberate and methodical way of fighting the undead hordes. There was also certain weapons that were created during this time as well, one being the Sur, which is their standard issue rifle. It has a, like bayonet tool on it it's good for killing zombies that way and it's it's 
it's as um durable as like an AK-47. You can throw that thing in the dirt, you can you can beat that thing up and it'll it'll keep on working. And these guys, the the soldiers that use it, um, they have a lot of reverence for it. So they talk a lot about it during the story. So after ten years of war, North America is cleared of zombies, and only two years later, World War Z ends after victory in China, where it all started. Ten years after the end of World War Z, Russia has become a re- religious state. China becomes a democracy after losing a large chunk of its population, and Tibet is now the world's most populated city. Now, Cuba basically becomes what America was before the war and becomes a capitalistic paradise due to the American refugees that fled there during the Great Panic. They showed the people of Cuba that there could be a better life, and they ended up kind of bumping Castro out of there. But he does a pretty good job of of working his way out without getting murdered. (laughs) Now, the population of North Korea has basically completely disappeared, making the world wonder if they were all tucked away in a bunker somewhere being ruled by their god emperor. So at one point, the DMZ, just the, the person who is watching the North Korean side of the DMZ, they just disappear. It's complete radio silence from North Korea from the very beginning of the Great Panic all the way up until the current time of the story. No one has ever heard of from North Korea again. Also, Iceland is just a complete zombie wasteland, and the world maps looks nothing like it did before the war. Now, there's still pockets of zombies in areas of extreme cold like Siberia or up in um, British Columbia, and also in the oceans. There are tons and tons and tons of zombies in the oceans. They have full-on units that are just set up to protect guys working in the ocean because there's so many zombies in the ocean. It's crazy because so many people fled to the ocean when all this uh, happened. And not... Not just the oceans are messed up, the environment is completely screwed up. Um, There's massive amounts of pollution from the decades at this point of all the fires and um, all the different factories exploding and just all the power plants. Everything is is messed up. The whole world's messed up. Think of a post-apocalyptic world. It looks like that. Think of like a zombie outbreak. Well, take away the zombies now, but it still sucks. Also, resources have become extremely scarce because now it is difficult to move items from one place to another and vice versa like just making a a bottle of coke would be a near impossibility because of all the ingredients you need from around the world but even with all these negatives people were still able to push back the zombie menace and are hopefully stronger for it everyone has a collective experience that they can find common ground in These collections of survivor accounts show the human spirit at its lowest and highest. It shows that even when we are on the brink of destruction, we can pull together and fight back the darkness to hopefully build a brighter future. Now, this story means a lot to me, and I hope you enjoy this different style of video. Have a great one.